0: Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, JD Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms, we talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through Through a mental mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to
1: change the narrative? Talk about changing the narrative. Our next guest, Zakiya Ansari, is an inspiration. She has been named one of New York City's 25 most influential women in Brooklyn, and there are many reasons why. She is a parent of eight, an education rights leader and a civil and social justice activist who is passionate about changing education for all bodies. She's the advocacy director and New York City director of Alliance for Quality Education, AQI for short, dedicated to ending systemic racism and economic oppression in New York City's public schools where generations of black, brown, low-income and immigrant students have been robbed of what they deserve. High quality education. Zakiya is also a founding member of the Resistance Revival Chorus, an incredible group of humans who sing songs of resistance and uplift born in the heinous months following the election of Donald Trump. (laughs) Welcome, Zakiya.
2: Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so happy to have
0: you. So, I'm going to try to start out slow, even though I'm super excited and want to talk about everything <laughs> at once. So I'm going to try to temper myself with my ADHD and not try to say everything at once. Okay. I'm ready. I'm
2: ready. <laughs> All
0: right. So if you were going to map your journey, right, which is clearly a full journey, what would be the key markers? So I'm talking about from birth to now, if you were going to, if you were going to yeah. identify the key markers, like the defining moments, what would they that be? That is good.
2: Yeah. Um I think from birth to now, it was um to be quite honest, like see my father was very abusive to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that abuse, um, it actually uh left me feeling insecure. Um, which I and 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 dealing with a lot of low self-esteem. But I didn't know that's why, obviously, your child, you don't realize that. Um, so that was really a, a poignant moment which got me to the place of understanding that I'm an empath. And when I was younger, I didn't understand how I was seeing things and other people would not see a child crying or someone laughing or someone in the corner, a man yelling at a woman. And it would be like, I'd be like, did you see that? No one would see that, which then brought me to when I had my children. So the birth of my kids um, and being involved in their education and just getting started and understanding how deeply politics was entrenched in that. And the process of getting involved in that in my 40s, while I was part of the school, uh, an, um, a realization and understanding of why my conditioned tendency was to run from things and not run to things, which then led me to a career or a path of that's all I do is lean in and lean into structures of like white supremacy, white men in power, um, and still hold some of those low self-esteem, some of those low self-confidence tendencies as well, to being in the space um, of being the advocacy director of an organization I was actually volunteering for before I became uh, the advocacy director. And so I really came kind of full circle, but all those things, I think if any one of those things were out of whack, out of place. Uh, they definitely would have shifted something in this journey that I've been on for almost two decades, for two decades plus, excuse me.
0: First of all, where are you 40? Let's start with that. Where am I, How are you 40? Where are you 40? I'm 54. What? (laughs) First of all, I got lost at 40. I was like, when I was 40, what? (laughs) You lost
2: me at that one, number one. Next year, 55. Man,
0: you are a, 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 a mystery to me. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Second of all, you know, the idea that trauma is what set you on this journey is so familiar to us in our work, you know, and what you did with that trauma and how you deal with the triggers from that trauma is just such a great role model for people who have experienced something similar in their past. So thank you for that disclosure and being vulnerable. I truly appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 You know, so tell me about the ways in which you empower students around educational equity, because that's such a huge thing. Mm
1: -hmm. There's so much
0: inequity. I mean, that's like you took off a a chunk that's so huge. How did you get the focus to what you were going to do? Because it sounds extremely overwhelming.
2: Yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of two, two things there. One is like, I didn't plan on this journey. You know, when my children, I have eight kids. When I started, I only had seven. My son wasn't born yet.
0: Only seven. And,
2: um, (laughs) and then, um, my daughter, like who's like working to pay the babysitter? And I was like, I have to start working. And then I started getting involved in the school. So that was like my youngest daughter. Before then I was like engaged in school to extent like, you know, like I went to parent teacher conferences like most parents do and those types of things. I didn't really go to PTA meetings, parent association meetings or things like that. But like the teachers knew me, like I, I always made sure I knew them. But when that happened and I was wound up working to pay the babysitter and got involved is when teachers was like, you should join the PTA. So I didn't, if this was not something I was like, oh, I can't wait to be on this journey, which is I'm really clear that this path was paid for me without me knowing. And so, so that was one piece of it. Like, so being on this journey and then the other piece is like young people are inspiring me all the time. Their fearlessness is like, whoa, I, I need some of that. And so I enjoy being around them. Um, and so this work coupled with their fearlessness is really they really like helped me motivate me to like move forward and be in this struggle in a way that honors them and makes sure that they're safe because ultimately that's really what that that's what fuels me too like not just as a mother like as an empath like i want to i want to take care of everybody everybody's got to be okay you know and so that's been my um journey of like being inspired by young people and hopefully doing the work to improve all their circumstances from you know from birth so they graduate, you know, if they choose to go to higher education, that is really a goal and a mission of mine. And that's kind of a way I'm able to like do both. One is care for them. And the way I care for them is to fight ferociously for equity in schools um, and and hope that it, you know, it sticks and it's been, been able to have a little hand in some of that. You know,
0: you bring up something that's so consistent in my experience of working in schools, which is, um, Parents from the global majority not being involved in the PTA, and then the school saying, "Well, they don't come to PTA meetings, right?" It's like a, a double-edged sword. What would you say about that?
2: I mean, the thing that I learned, you know, my the plus for me is that when I got involved in the PTA was around the same time I was learning what organizing was. So the structures that I didn't get caught up in the structures of being a part of PTA. I'm the head of a PTA, like I, I'm this and I'm that. Like a lot of times, folks get caught up in like as if they wield the power and they are all things. And so you should come to them and kiss the ring. Really people get caught up in their heads around like being part of this. And so because I was learning about organizing and actually engaging and like facilitating meetings and like learning what that was and finding myself in the process, those structures never kept me from thinking bigger and wider. But even in those moments when I was in schools, you know, what kept, what, what got me always was like, if I'm anywhere, what would make more folks want to come into this space? What would make me want to come into this space if I was just a parent coming to a school? Like, um, and it was coming out of that room and saying hello. It was Mm. greeting folks and just having conversations with people like, how are you there? I mean, how are you doing, you know? And how's your child doing and what's happening? Um, And so, you know, I never got caught up in that. But guess what? Also, when we had those meetings and there weren't a lot of people, I made sure that meeting was the best meeting those folks were at. I don't care if it was five. And I had been to many meetings before that where people, where other leader parents and administration would be like, this room should be filled with parents. Why do we got 600 kids in the school and there's only 20 parents? And I said, and I always felt like, well, I'm here. So what am I chopped liver? Like, give me what you would give them. Because at the end of the day, that's how it carries. It carries word of mouth. And so by being, by understanding that and being in those spaces and understanding, right, that at some point, people probably wrote me off as not a parent involved because we thought that the parent PTA was the way, the place that the place that people were supposed to be involved. Not thinking that parents got more than one kid, they right. got more than one school, they have issues that they're experiencing, and the PTA does not define how involved you are in your children's yes. education. I know that for sure. Um, and so it's always been for me from day one to constantly say that to folks. Like I, in the very beginning, again understanding I was I was learning how to organize while at the same time I was part of the PTA was like, I am going to be the voice of those parents who have not found their voice yet.
1: Mm.
2: And when they're ready, I'm here for it. Mm. We're going to go through this fight together. And I've seen it. And, and it's happened. The hundreds of parents were not there, but they were either inspired by myself, like I was inspired by somebody before me, um, and they start off small, right? And so- I, I, these structures are things that we get caught up in, and we have to stop getting caught up in structures. They're put there to keep us silent. They're put 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 there to say these are the rules, and the rules never work for us. So we got to knock down the structures and the walls. You know, you just struck a
0: chord with me. You know, both in you inviting people in is what you're talking about. You're talking about creating uh, an invitation that works for more than just one type of parent, and I think that we have to look at the PTA as a piece of the structure in white supremacy. You know, how do we not acknowledge that the PTA is a part of the problem? It's like, if you're not a part of the parent teacher association, then you are the problem, not the structure itself. So Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying about that. And that just makes so much sense. You found a way to make Parents, whether there's five or 50, feel welcomed and valuable because word of mouth and relationship is what grows a movement. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Well done.
2: Thank you. Yeah, Matt. Sorry. That's my grand, my youngest granddaughter. No. <laughs> don't be mother. sorry about kids <laughs> Kids are- And it's so weird because I always tell people the same thing. I'm like, look, this is the world we live in right now. That's right. People gotta take whatever they get. Fortunately, we got blurry vision, background, <laughs> so <laughs> we can hide over like- Well, hey, look, now, if you but... <laughs> want
0: to bring that baby up on the screen, I'm, we are good
2: with that. Please. She might come,
0: but no right problem. now
1: we're good. <laughs> there
0: is no problem. So, uh, Yeah. So the next thing is, you know, how I learned about you, which is through Ray and Jill. I mean, they cannot say enough amazing things about you. And soon I learned why. Um, So I, you know, as soon as they said, you need to know, I was like, I wanna know. And so (laughs) I tracked you down and begged you to come on. And I'm so happy you did. Um, Tell us about the Resistance Revival course.
2: Oh, yeah let me let, me, to, let to, me add a more yeah.
0: specific because I know yeah. that's huge let me add a more specific focus how does it inform the rest of your work because yeah, I was you know, about to yes yeah okay <laughs> that, good go for it that,
2: that, that's why I had to sigh, because I'm like yes they have saved my spirit many days from being like in despair this work that I do is I say it constantly it is psychological emotional and many times often physical abuse um because to every day or every year, Go to you know Albany, or we're locally fighting for just the basic needs for equity, and to have people year after year when you know it's not true tell you they don't have the money, and mm. you see other communities get funded. Um, and you know that there's an absolute um disregard for black, brown, and poor children in this state and then in this country, it's painful, it is physically painful. It's painful. So it is it is physically painful, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as well as psychologically and mentally painful. Yeah. So with the chorus, many times there were days that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so tired of running up and down, you know, getting around in New York City, going to meetings or whatever, mentally exhausted. Was so excited to know that at 7 o'clock p.m. was rehearsal, I'm going to be there. If it was Saturday in the morning and it was a two-hour, it was a performance, I'm going to be there. I I would move anything to make sure that I was there because it was soothing for my soul and it allowed me to get up the next day and say, I can do this again. And so I don't know how I survived this long without them. (laughs) Um, But it's an amazing group of women and non-binary individuals who just, just ooze of, of justice and activism and love and uh community. Um it's really a beautiful space. And most folks would think like that, that many um folks together, women and non-binary people, that you would be like, what's all the drama? But it really is um therapy and you know, um, massage therapy and just like (laughs) conversations and the sister that I never had and like, or sisters that I never had. And just these folks who are doing music is not music is, I love music, but I'm not necessarily a singer. As many of these folks are artists, like girl, let me tell you, these people are artists, they (laughs) blow. And so I am also learning about what it means and how how important, how the justice piece of the work that I do just in general connects to music. Like I didn't know, but it makes sense, right? Like how disenfranchised women are in the music industry, across the board. So to be in a space where we intentionally, you know found women who were producers for our album and the company was ran by a woman. And, you know, so that's one thing. And then we do the activism piece which I am the rapid response coordinator for um, so we're, that's why we're in these streets as many times as we can get people together for many different issues, especially with issues that impact women, um, and transgender folks and, you know, anything that's really on that level, like we're out in these streets if we can be there. So it's been a great, um, it's been really good for the soul. It really has.
0: You know, you say joy, activism, and art, they go together, mm, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so, can you say a, a sentence or two about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we 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 coined the phrase um, of Toy Derrickot, the poet. Joy is an act of resistance, and you know, I think in the beginning it was, it was it was never it has never been more poignant than in this moment of being in the chorus, right? Like, and the work that I do, the reason I love music is because with those moments before the chorus and even now, that I needed to shift my energy, I needed to like. Think about somebody to write something that's where i go to i go to music you know i listen to marvin gaye or some luther depending on what i'm feeling like right or i want to hear something more inspiring so i might listen to the choruses album or someone else right that's what and that allows me to get up and continue to resist right like joy is just something as we as black black and brown indigenous people like that that is just that our core of like mm-hmm. music I, would, I think of the time when um when the uprisings were happening with George Floyd in the streets, and people were doing the electric slide, I love right? it. And they, right, and right, it was just like people were just like shocked, and I was like, yes, because you know that's how we get. <laughs> that's to what L, we do, right? <laughs> um, and then we go back out there and we like power to the people. We, right. we, we do it again, right? And so it is just part of who we are. I think is as Black and brown folks. You know, when
0: you talked about the pain, I felt tears come to my eyes because Mm. it is daily pain. It Mm -hmm. is daily exhaustion. It is Mm -hmm. daily reminding that Black lives don't matter Mm. in white supremacy. And to try to convince white bodies that Black lives do matter and what that looks like, um, it's exhausting. And it's exhausting beyond human belief of the toll it takes on our spirit and our soul. And so... The fact that you have found, you know, your joy in the resistance is such a marker for who we are as a people, you know, people, I say, you know, our sense of humor and, you know, music and dance and and what we do. That is how we continue the journey. Resilience is overrated, Mm
2: -hmm. right? Because all
0: that means that you can keep hitting us and we can keep bouncing back, right? you know? And so I no longer call it resilience, but it is a factor of our humanity.
1: Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's
0: you know energy to our spirit I think that's that's what you're talking about
2: yes absolutely you know every day and then it's and it's it's the work and then it's the explanations and then it's like in spaces where people kind of look over you like what you gonna bring to this table you ain't got nothing and you gotta lean into that and you know, people try to explain what you said. You I didn't say that. I know what I said when I said it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like these things and you gotta smile and you yeah. know, or or you can't be too mad, or you know, it's like it's all the things. And it, you're right, it's like almost beyond what someone should be asked to bear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's crazy. But
0: it's yeah. true. And and we have to tell that truth. It's true. We have to tell that truth that this is this is dehumanizing Mm -hmm. it's not okay and when you ask us to do something that is not in our spirit or is against our people it's problematic i you know i experienced that this week and uh every week as a matter of fact but Uh this week in a in a realm that's different than the other weeks Mm
1: -hmm. and it it
0: compounds itself Mm -hmm. so i love that you have found a way to replenish yourself that's so important
2: yeah, it's, it's a need. I realized that it was, it took me a long time to realize that not only do I need to, I deserve, It's I
1: that's, deserve
0: to. That's yeah, it that's right it. there. Yeah, yeah. That's it right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what
0: does activism look like at home? Because you have a full house.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like we talk about a lot of things, you know, it's like certain kids, you can talk to something, like I have eight, so you know, some are older, some want to talk about the politics, and some don't, and um, all of them are really connected to themselves, you know, their father really instilled a lot of, like, their culture in themselves, and understanding that, and so, and in the world, you can't be blind to what's happening, right, like, they, there's different generations, so my son is 2,000, and I have 80s babies and in 90s babies so they're like but they still there's still a through line to so much more pain than the other stuff that they all can connect to um and so I think a little bit of activism is like the joy part of it right like how do we you know we dance together we sing together you know we eat together like all those things so the joy piece is the activism piece like how are we Able to have a conversation, a real honest conversation about what's happening—George Floyd or Beyoncé Taylor or anything else—or um, white supremacy in general—and then you know, like, let's watch a movie or turn on some music and just you know lip sync some songs together. You know, yeah,
0: like, I love it. So, I love yeah. it. How do you talk to them about keeping themselves as safe as possible? We know, we know the conversation—the conversation. Yeah. Every black parent has with their child. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that in the face of what's happening in this country? And it's been happening in this country forever, yeah. but now we see it. Everyone sees my,
2: it because we've known it. Yeah, I, my husband's really good at that stuff. The same okay. stuff. He's really conscious of that. And what I try not to do is like put the fear, because the lord knows I'd be terrified, especially when I was, thought I was having a boy. Up. And so my son, I try not to be, and I, I try not to put the fear while also engaging in conversation that is um that he can hear and be fruitful because the fear doesn't help him and it sure doesn't help me mm. um and so just like on this conversation um when my daughter two of my, my daughters one of my daughters was there, two of them actually was in high school and um one of them was going to the train station i, I don't know why i never thought it's when they were growing up that it would a girl, like it would happen to a girl like i don't know why like you know like it, yeah if yeah we were, were me, we were conditioned
0: we were conditioned to think and, uh, about it in terms of
2: yeah. male
0: black bodies and not female black it's bodies. True. Yeah. Yes. And then
2: so it was an incident with a school safety agent and all the stuff, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then another one was coming out of the train station, and she was like, police oh, officers are so, so rude and cursing at her," and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, what do you do with that?" And then it was that that you realize, oh, <laughs> they're not, they're not the, uh, you know, they they they're gonna get it too, right? You know? Yeah. Um, and so it's just like open conversation, like having the conversation, any kind of conversation about all the things, um, you know, especially now after the post pandemic, I struggle with a lot of anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Train's a little crazy, too. <laughs> you know, Um, the street's a little crazy, too. Yeah. And so like even being nervous about going on the subway, I talked about it. And then my other daughter, my youngest daughter, is like, yeah, and she just, you know, my grand, she's the one with the youngest grandbaby, so she's super nervous about getting on the on the train, which is understandable. Um, and my other daughters are like, don't worry, I, I'm good. I'm like, okay, right, you know. Yeah. so But it's like just having the conversation and trying to trying to. I don't do it. I could be better at it, but trying to be honest about how I'm feeling. I think it allows other people to kind of share, allows them to share. And the yeah. other plus is that they have each other, they talk to each other. And so I mm-hmm. learned a long time ago that they're not always going to talk to me about all the things, but as long as they have someone to talk to. Um, and I trust that the advice they're going to get from the other one is going to be good advice. Sometimes you like, mm, I know you got somebody to talk to, but that is not the person I want you to get advice from. But in this particular instance, since they're right. talking to each other, I know that they're going to look out for each other. So
0: You know, and talking about New York right now, you know, I'm in New York and I'm working here temporarily and, you know, the mental illness is out of control. Mm. So I have my own inner conflict as I see all the money that's spent on all the holiday decorations, you know, I'm down near Wall Street, that friggin Christmas tree alone could feed so many homeless and house so many homeless people as an empath. I don't know how to separate the two. I don't know how to separate all the money that's spent on celebrating one holiday. When there's so many people, you can't walk through a street of New York with South extreme mental illness, the trains, there's more mental illness than ever. I can't even take the trains. So I'm feeling you on that, and I, it's so disturbing that I can't separate it from my myself. You know what I, I mean? It
2: makes it makes perfect sense. I'm just thinking, I'm I'm going to use this as an as one example, but it doesn't matter. Like Bloomberg just committed 750 million dollars ch- for charter schools throughout the country. Okay. And how much more money did he make during the pandemic? Exactly. 750 million dollars. We know is already a drop in a bucket for him. I remember something uh, someone, I don't know if it was an economist, said, like, if all the billionaires gave a certain amount of money, they could solve world war of hunger. I know. Elon Musk was very arrogant and said something like, can you prove it to me and I'll donate. So it was something real arrogant. He's such an idiot. But it, it can happen. That's the problem. They have taught us how to be. They've taught us how to stay in a scarcity mindset. They have taught us that oh well those people out there you know they just didn't pull it they didn't work hard they didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps right not knowing that everybody is just a one paycheck away from being in that in the same situation and the lack of care that we have for individuals to not even look up to acknowledge it's just that's another thing that's another reason why it's hard for me to go out to like. I find myself because of the being an impact. It is so difficult to pass so many people with their hands out and I can't give to uh-huh. everyone that I find myself looking down like or avoiding. And then the guilt sets in because I'm like, you know, and it's so many so many men
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and so many men of color. And I'm just like, what happened to dignity? They just people want to live with dignity and respect. And that includes a house. That includes a job that pays a living wage. That includes a, a community that's not a, a food desert, right? That's some place that you feel respected, that you have health care, that you can go to the doctor when you're when you're sick, either mentally or physically. Like I just think of how we know Black men are raised to be strong and you know whatever, and sometimes to a fault, right? I'm not I'm not gonna we're not gonna go there, but to be. <laughs> To be in a space now, where who knows that person that walked in front of you that might look crazy to you? What he was before he got there? Mm. You know, he. You know, we we've seen some of the films like violinists or pianists or who are now, you know, because whatever situation. And for us to not to see everybody in their full humanity allows us to to use homelessness, um, and as as the bottom. Hmm. And then also accept having kids, kids in cages,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? As if they're two separate things. Right. And it allows by us not taking care of folks who are mentally ill or or housing folks who are unhoused, mm-hmm. then it allows us to accept or too many people to accept that folks in cages is acceptable to babies in cages, children in cages, acceptable. That's a problem. That, that's more than a problem. Yeah. It's like, you know, and in the midst of a pandemic.
1: I mean, speak on
0: it, you know, I mean, like you're telling the truth, the idea that, you know, able bodied Mm -hmm. black bodies are dehumanized. So then you add mental illness and homelessness. I mean, in the eyes of white supremacy, they're throwaways. And when you ponder that for a second, I get so emotional Mm
1: -hmm. at the
0: idea that there's different layers of discarding black bodies I mean, there's so many different layers that it is uh, part of the the fabric of this America that everyone celebrates. So I have to much.
2: breathe through that, that's really <laughs> I'm trying not to cry because I'm really, already tearing up over here, sis. I'm a that's really painful. And if I think, you know, not to pile on because there's a lot to be inspired by, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that. But yes, we will. That's why the work that I that we try to do in my organization, the Alliance for Quality Education. Always well, we say education justice is racial justice is so crucial it is um it's so crucial that you know those little babies that we see they're excited and they're learning the abcs and one two threes and they're reading etc and then they get in third grade and they're forced to take tests and their lights get dimmed they stay strict they just strip you see you can literally see the progression of kids working at you mommy what's that mommy what's that mommy what's that mommy what's that and by the time they get into the grades where they're getting tested it's like that the that the love of learning is lost from them if there's not an educator in the classroom um, that's there to like continue to spark that as opposed to sparking, like we're going to pass this test and so we got to, you know, buckle down and get to it, right. you know? And so that's why the work that we do just piles on because we know once one, child, one suspension for a child already puts them down the path of not being successful overall, right? And so right. Um, we got to do better. We must do better.
0: Well... I agree. I appreciate what you do. I value what you do. I'm I'm just so grateful that you're doing it. But talking about layers. There are so many layers to you and what you do. I I am totally in awe of you. And particularly that 55, you're still doing it. You know, I am like ready to lay down, but I get up the next day and do my part of what I do, which even though I'm a therapist, I'm an activist first. So I integrated into my work. But the way that you find people and the way that they respond to you, how do you receive it? Like when I say I'm in awe of you and I know I'm not the only one, there's so many, how do you receive that? How do you take that into your body and make sense out of that?
2: Yeah, it, it took me till <laughs> probably two years ago to be able to begin to um, take it in. And it's still a struggle, but I, You know, before you'd be like, oh, you know, (laughs) you know, right. And now it's just like, thank you. And it's hard, but, you know, what I'm learning is like, folks who look at you and see you in that way, like, people have to understand that you have to take those, those, you got to take your flowers, like, you got to smell them, you got to appreciate them. And if I think about where I came from or where I am, you know, I am deserving of it. Even saying that is hard, but it's true, you know, like, I was like this psychotic episode of like you deserve it, but you know one on the shoulder, now the other show is like you deserve it, but don't be so, don't get to, and then and you like and I'm like oh,
1: that's great um but yeah that's great
0: yeah well i'm glad you're receiving it because i want it's an offering it's an offering and and i, 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 I mean it sincerely Thank but you. i love that perspective of you know not laughing at psychosis but right now in yeah, it's and,
2: like, and like, out you know uh-huh. yeah <laughs> that's great and it's like in seconds in your head it's like the whole thing is playing out even though no one knows that it's playing out in your head you're like <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's very real. <laughs> Let me get the right so, face on.
0: That's great. Um, so my my philosophy is that the personal and professional is the political. And it seems that you live your life the same way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is, it, well, is that mm-hmm. true? Yeah. So talk oh, about yeah. your version of that, you know.
2: I mean, for, first of all, it was when I when I started getting involved in education justice work, I had no idea, like so many other parents, how deeply politics was entrenched in education. I literally had no idea. So politics is just the nature of education on so many levels, from even being part of a parent teachers association just being a parent. Like, what does that entail? Who gets to go here? Who gets to speak? Who represents? Who's running the meeting? Who's not? Do I step back, you know? Like, um, to the next level of even organizing, it's politics in that. Like, this is a chancellor, like, who's better to have the conversation, you know, then don't start advocating for dollars. That's a whole nother level. Like that's really politics, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so that piece is just really interesting, but even just navigating um, the world of anything you want to change usually has a political edge to it. Even if you want to get graffiti off the walls In your community, there's an assembly person, an alderman, a council member, or something you have to build relationships with to make sure that it happens. When you're in school and you want to have a program that you may not be getting from the Department of Education, you go to an elected official as well to ask them for some discretionary funds to pay for those violins for those kids to have violins lessons, you know? Um, Politics is it's everywhere you know um and um why it's so important which which is brings me to the like the conversation around like who represents you is important too and this it, actually allowed me to expand my knowledge base which many black and brown folks you know and I used to be this person which would like oh I know that name when I go vote I'm just going to take the name up because it sounds familiar. I remember he's been here for 20 years. I'm just going to vote for him again. Now I'm paying attention to who's voting and running. And I'm like, nah, don't run. And people are asking me, I'm like, don't, mm -mm, don't vote. This is why blah, 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 blah. And people, you know, come to you. And, and it's really important to be um, an informed and educated voter. I learned that I used to vote regardless. Like Since I've been 18, I voted all the time, every time, but I wasn't informed. I was just checking that democratic line and just going down and tick, tick, tick. so yeah so
0: what would you say to this you know growing contingency of black and brown people who put the democrats in office this time and were thanked so profusely Mm -hmm. um and yet we haven't seen what Mm -hmm. we voted for what would you say to them that can encourage them to vote because Mm -hmm. they're Mm feeling discouraged
2: yeah yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's another reason to exhale and be like, that's another level of trauma that just got put on us because we went all in and said this, that, and the other. We got an opportunity, and we ain't really got opportunity because a white man mansion and a white woman cinema is just like pulling the strings. It's such America, right? It's just such mm-hmm. a profound uh connection like to have this be happening in the midst of all that's going on right um, and to really like have a president that's really I don't think fighting as hard as he could a narrative around voter uh voting rights um, right. I don't know you know I, I struggle with trying to convince people to get out and vote as opposed to like you know I mean I know last year I was just like ain't nobody want any of them but we got to get rid of this man that was the assignment the assignment last year was like that was the assignment. Period.
0: That was the assignment. For there real. There was
2: no, we, we lived to fight another day, <laughs> right? We could not um, live through four more years of there that. There was no way. Back to back. There was no way. There was no way. Um, mm-hmm. And also, is it a, 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 is it a moment to motivate and inspire other folks to get, jump in the ring? Like you got a Cori Bush. When mm-hmm. we want more of those, you know, you got an AOC. You got a Jamal Bowman. You got like, Ilhan, you got folks who are really standing their ground on what we need and not you know giving in. How do you become one of those folks? How do we inspire more folks to run? And not just for those offices, but school board elections and all those other things. Like We have young people who are just so powerful, even in high school now. Like How do we encourage them and inspire them to want to do some of this? Stacey Abrams, I think, will inspire some more folks to continue to do that too. Um, we have to vote for sure. I just struggle with trying to convince someone. I work with an, a, just a brilliant young Black woman and she was just like, I am not inspired to vote, and but I will not tell other people not to, you know? Mm. And I, I respected that. Like, I, what, am I, what am I gonna do? Like, yeah. there's so many people you can, there's too many examples that they can throw right in your face and be like, you see? <laughs> yeah. You see we voted, we did this, and what do we get for, you know? it's like. So I think it's more or less like I, I just encourage people to like think deeply, um, continue to vote, right? Just vote. Like I I don't. That's not my choice to tell you who to vote for. But we we fought long and hard for these opportunities. And if it's somebody you don't like in there, run or get somebody else to run and vote those folks out. You know, like this is a moment to like really organize ourselves to to because 2024 and and to be quite honest, this critical race theory. Uh, boogeyman that they're throwing out there is their way to get folks into office like they've already been doing. Um, 20 to the, the midterms as well as the presidential election. So we have to be paying attention because they it comes in different ways. They say it in a yeah. different word. It's still a dog whistle, still the, all the same things that we've been experiencing for the last, you know, probably before I was, born, definitely before I was born.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: this year, CRT. Next year, probably would be the same thing. But we got to keep our eyes wide open they they're coming for they really want to make america bring
0: it back yeah it's so true and i love what you're saying about you know motivating and empowering youth to get up and take the positions so that they can make the difference that they talk about because what i hear sometimes like the debates i've gotten into is we need a third party so i'm not voting Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah but you know that's what would get trump four more years so what, what are we going to do right now just to pause the train? Because we can't, as a spirit, take four more years of that back to back. So I love I love yeah. what you're saying about that. Yeah. So would you mind if I ask you about your spiritual beliefs and how you integrate that into the practice of your activism? Sure. Mm-hmm. That's
1: the question?
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, being a. a black Muslim women, like all those things are not necessarily celebrated or, or um, looked at as positives necessarily. Right. They come with a lot of stuff, but that's, that's who I am. And so that's all I can lead into spaces when I walk into spaces. um, And, and believe it or not, I'm very much an introvert. I do not, if I don't have to talk, I don't. So many times when you see me you'll see me with chains that have words on them shirts that have words in a, on them pants that have words on them because I I rather not talk and but also I have uh, these things I want to say to the world and so I walk into spaces with the words on me and so like I have chains um that say worthy or respect um resist right because the worthy one I really got is because, one, it was to remind me of how worthy I am. But also when I go into schools, it's to remind young people and others that they are worthy. They are worthy of justice. They are worthy of anything they want, their dreams to be fulfilled, all those things. And so I'm very much an introvert. But when I walk into spaces, I am a Black Muslim woman. And you, that's not to be denied. Um, and so I carry the level of, like, uh, dignity in that Um even though, even though I do struggle with, um, you know, low self esteem, like I, it allows me to like walk into a space, reminding myself of who I am and how I carry myself, um, and I, and it has benefited me. Like people know who I am, um, they respect what I do, how I carry myself, and my message and narrative, and that's really important. Um, I think it knocks away stereotypes. I don't think I know it does.
1: Sure.
2: Of what a Black Muslim woman can do, or just like what do they have to to offer? Even though look, I've been in spaces. People know who you are, and it still doesn't matter, right? They still try to try you. But um, which is so. I think all that I am, just um, it, it, it it empowers me, and and also being a mother too. Like this, like I want to represent. When I walk in space, I don't just represent me. I represent my family too, and so all those things allow me to let's just like stand up a little straighter, lean into spaces, um, and also engage with other uh, my mother, uh, other Muslim brothers and sisters in this struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not many, and so when we're together, like there's a way to connection. And, and, And not only are there not many of us in this struggle right here like specifically um not a lot of black african-american muslim folks in this struggle um especially as it pertains to education justice so it's like really wonderful to it's almost like a beacon like i get to walk in yeah. and I'm like oh you know we kind of spot each other you know from across the room or whatever it's, it's really the nod
0: beautiful. it's the nod
2: it is it is <laughs> it is exactly <laughs> okay. you know
1: uh, you,
0: I, there's so much, you know, we could go on for a long time. So I have to make sure that you agree to come back. Uh, oh, of course. because You have so much to offer and share. And, I, and this is so empowering for so many people. I love the idea that you walk around with the sense of being and you are the beacon. So how do we uh, get this sense of low self esteem out because I can't even stand that you're still walking around with that. I know. So I just,
2: I you. just, um, I was fortunate enough to be an uh, Atlantic Fellow, Racial Equity Fellow, okay. and um, I was, I was, I got a coach, and so the coach was helping me um, work through that because I, I constantly talk about that, and I don't know, it's much better than it used to be, but it's Good. still there. There's still tinges of it, right? And so she told me to um actually practice saying I see you because now I can recognize I can almost feel when it's coming on those moments of self-doubt. Okay. And so she said literally say to them, I see you.
1: I Mm-mm. see you. How are
2: you doing? You like to acknowledge that it's there. Yes.
1: Um
2: which would seem really weird but it was really <laughs> helpful. Um, Great. and so now when it's coming I I in my head I'm like well is this are you are you not doing this because you doubt that you can do it or you literally not doing it because like you can't, or there's some really valid reason for not doing it. That wasn't there before. And so I'm still working through that piece of like, I think you're doing this because your friend is here (laughs) self-doubt and you need to say, Hey, and tell them to like, you don't need them right now. But also she, you know, she helped me unpack of what what has it done for you? Like, why has it been comfortable, which has been helpful too. Like, so, oh, this is why my friend being self-doubt been helping me out mm-hmm. all this time, keeping me safe and comfortable in this little position. And it feels nice and warm and cozy. And I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, get into the world without Mr. and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Self-Doubt over there. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm working through that. So
0: That's great. I love that because, you know, you're working with the positive self-talk and you're also embracing the existence of this in terms of I recognize you're there, I see you um, and I'm not giving you the same power you once had in my life. I think that's that's all great stuff. I, I think it's important. I, as an African-American woman, want to mirror nothing but confidence and self-esteem for you mm-hmm. because you deserve it. And I I, I I see you and I want you to feel that. Um, Thank deeply. you. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. I do. I mean that sincerely. So in terms of um, your ability to pull people together, right? mm-hmm. you have this ability to pull people together. And it's sort of in this historical perspective. It's like it's like what's been done forever, civil rights movement before the civil rights, enslavement. It's just what we do as a people. It's very collaborative, which is from the African-American culture and all global majority people in general. Um, and it's it's that in comparison to the individualistic, which is the white dominant cultures um sort of way of moving through the
2: world. Is it intentional? Was that conscious? Oh is that something? I, I love doing that. I just realized, so I went to, <laughs> another story. So I participated I love in a training called Bold, and you might have heard of that, Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity in 2016. It's a phenomenal uh leadership development program for folks who identify as Black, right? So you can be Afro-Latino, but you have to identify as Black. Life ch- changed my life forever. And part of that, I, know, I lost my train of thought, you know, that 50 something, um, <laughs> part of it, sorry, there was a naming ceremony. And okay. there were a few folks who knew me before, but many of the folks didn't. And so I was so honored to have this name and they, and I think it's so perfect. At first I was like, oh my gosh, I literally started crying. So they named me queen mother who holds the world. Oof, And I'm I... like, that is me. That is so me. Like I, it gives me, you know, sometimes I always often ask people, even at work, I'm like, oh, what gives you butterflies? What's that thing that you like, oh my gosh, when I talk about this or when I, you know, do this, this is the thing mm-hmm. I want to do in my life. And that is what, that is my thing, like caring, bringing people together, being a bridger, but also listening and like, you know, that that just it just i don't know where it comes from i think it's part of being an empath right and being a caregiver and also um like just my desire to want people to be happy like i want people to be not even happy is not the right well like emotionally well. physically like spiritually well um and i think in a caring piece and so i think that's where it comes from and so it, it, that's why it's it's automatic for me it's just I try to do it wherever I go, like build connections or just connect to somebody. I'm really good at feeling people's energy. Mm-hmm. And so many times people come into the space and I'm like, you good? Even on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, yeah, I'm good. And then I was like message them and whatever. And they're like, yeah, so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, I thought something was up because your energy is off. But it took me a long time to like embrace that that was a thing. Yeah. I thought it was like I was like going crazy. And so- <laughs> i like learning all these things and my gut has gotten much stronger. I trust it more. Mm. I didn't trust it before 2016, I think as much as I should have. Um, So I trust my gut when things are happening, even though people might not, might sound crazy to other folks. My gut has really been saying stuff. And I think over the years I didn't trust my gut because the self-esteem was like raving, raging in my ear. Right. And so it really started to trust my gut on this. And so all the things in my gut tells me, like, this is what I meant to do and what I want to do and what gives me joy. And so I'm just going to lean into it instead. I used to apologize all the time. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm like being motherly, aren't I? And Mm. people would always say, no, it's cool. It's cool. And I would be like, like, slow your roll. Um, (laughs) But I realized that it's, I'm good. This is what I do. Like it's, and people appreciate it. And I'm not going to apologize for it anymore, you know?
0: Well, it's more than what you do. It's who you are.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, people
0: will say to me all the time, stop therapizing me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm doing that. It, this is who <laughs> I am. Right? Right? I can't turn it on, Got and it on. Right. Right. So this is who you are. You're not doing anything.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's
0: literally who you are. Um, I just want to add one thing before I ask Susie if she has any questions, which is uh, please remember to be held as much as you hold because that journey,
1: I'm, about to, tell,
2: that.
0: I'm mm-hmm. about to tell you you know, next five years, it gets rougher.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I've
0: I've been at it a long time and I'm starting to feel the wear and tear at 62. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel it. So I just, I want to see you doing what you do as long as you can. So allow yourself to be held. Remember to be held, see yourself and others that see you the way that they do, because that's really important to continue to give you the, um, the energy because it wears on you, sis. It really does. I'm not, I'm not kidding.
2: Yeah, no, I yeah, that was one of the things we unpacked at bold. We had to create a commitment. I've had a few over the times, but my most recent commitment is I am a commitment to loving myself unconditionally and offering myself as much grace as I offer others. Mm.
0: I love it. I love it. So do you have any questions for Zakia?
1: No, I just want to say, I mean, first of all, just watching the two of you have this conversation is so powerful. And if my white face brings in any other viewers. (laughs) I I hope that it does the two things. One is the externalization of self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. What's it, what's it doing? Here's some power, power, put it back in you. You have it. It's yours. No one can take that away from you. Um, And the other thing is just like really gratitude. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You really are. You're incredible. Oh, the other thing I know the shirt, the clothing, that oh. words. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I and I know JD does that too. And mm-hmm. she wears her shirts with her words. And I'm sitting yeah. here thinking, well, as a white person, what words should we be holding on to? What what word do I want to go mm-hmm. and walk around with? You? So thank you for that. Well, thank you both. This has
2: been wonderful. I was not a talker and over the years have really that's another thing that I really lean to, into At first, I used to shy away from it, but now I lean into it and I really run towards speaking. And mm. often, sometimes I'm, especially with the chorus, people are like, "Oh, you want to say anything, Okay. You want to do an interview?" And I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> I'll do it. That's All no right, problem. I'm there for you, whatever it is." <laughs> and that's a that's been a real um, kind of eye opener for me to to I really enjoy doing that. So.
0: That's awesome. Well, there's so much more we could talk to you about. And so again, I want to get it on record that you promised to come back. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. And it's not like you're not changing the narrative every day, but I would love to hear a final word from you in terms of what changing the narrative means to you. Cause that was the whole purpose for this podcast Mm -hmm. in the first Mm -hmm. place is to get people thinking about what's their part of changing the narrative. What can you do? You're already doing it, but what would you like to say about that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, changing the narrative. Wow, there's just, there's so much. I think one is, you know, and not in any particular order, um, just because you have not experienced it doesn't mean that it's not happening to others. Mm. Um, and so I think that's a lot of times folks are like, uh, you know, I use as an example, you know, because Officer Bob in your neighborhood has been to the cookouts and helped send Johnny home when he might've got, you know, in a little trouble and you can't see him doing anything like what, it's, what we see police officers in our community doing doesn't mean that it's not happening. And if you think that it, if that happened to your child, you would be outraged and you should just be equally as outraged if it's happening to someone else in their community, right? The other thing is um, the importance of um, taking care of yourself, whatever that means to you, like writing in your calendar book, document yeah. it. That includes going to the doctor. That includes doing those yearly visits. In that colonoscopy, right like it, all those things talk about they, they, they're part of care they care for self, you're taking care of others, right If you're well, your family knows you're healthy, you'll be around longer. Um, you know things that again in the line of something that might you might be might not be experiencing but you see others, find a way to give and support and and reach out to community groups that are doing work in your community. You don't have to go far. You know, you Google everything else, Google a community organization that's doing something and just see, hey, how are you doing? You don't have to volunteer time necessarily. Maybe it's money. Right. And I think one other thing is, um, uh, you know, for for white communities specifically, like when you go into spaces, you might not be welcomed. And you have to breathe and figure out, are you ready to like really help? and you're gonna just run because someone may not have been cordial to you because there's a lot of pain there, right? There's a lot of trauma. Or are you gonna sit down and figure out and come back again and come back again and learn, right? Not necessarily talk, It doesn't all, you don't always have to talk, but to be in space and learn and hear what people are saying, right? Um, Cause sometimes y'all take up a lot of space and spaces that are black and brown. And we want to include other folks in our conversations. Um, But sometimes it's really important to just listen and understand that you might not always be welcome the first time or the second time or the third time. The really onus is on you to figure out how how hard and how much you really wanna help and support and be involved in this. Because if you do, then you're gonna have to take the bumps and the bruises just like the community on the other side has been doing, taking the lumps for a long time in order to get to a place where there's actual conversation and movement and side-by-side advocacy that can happen. I believe in the power of we I ain't gonna lie. Like we got a 30 year victory this year. People mm-hmm. told us don't keep, stop fighting. They told us you ain't never gonna get this money. It took us almost 30 years to win $4 billion in New York state, but we did it in the midst of a pandemic when people told us we ain't gonna do it. So it can be done. I believe in the power of we this organizing thing is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And I didn't know that in the beginning, but it mm. is absolutely a marathon. And that was just the first leg for us at the organiz- as a- at AQE. We're in the second phase of that marathon. That's accountability implementation. Um, so we need more folks on board with us. And there's a lot of organizations doing the work around this country that need more folks on board. We need more warriors in this work, which is why it's so important for you to care for yourself, as um, JD reminded me.
0: I love it. You know, uh, and comfort is overrated. Mm. <laughs> I
1: don't
2: know what that is. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I don't either.
0: Well, you are amazing. I've said it once. I'll say it 10 more times before we uh finish the podcast. This was just fire. Thank you so much, Akia. Thank you. Thank I really you. appreciate you, value you. I won't make you feel uncomfortable as uncomfortable by saying it <laughs> 10 more times but i will end on that note thank you so much
1: thank you both i appreciate you thank you, thank you. and jd and i want to thank our fabulous producers at i am music group and for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast go to iammusicgroup.com and the team will hit you back
0: and also leave us a review and let us know what you think thank you for listening to change the narrative with jd fuller